Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of our series in Hebrews. Our focus today is on the opening four verses of the letter, a paragraph which introduces the letter and its key themes. And um, it really is a very important paragraph to set uh, the tone for our understanding of the letter as we go forward. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it from the ESV and then we're going to plunge in and I want to notice two very, very important things as we pay attention to the detail of this text. So Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 to verse 4. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So two things for us to note from these very important verses. First of all, I want you to notice with me the strong emphasis in these verses on what I might best describe as salvation history. That is God's great plan of salvation from beginning to end. Uh, just look again at the time emphasis in these verses. Long ago, at many times, in many different ways, God spoke, but in these last days. Do you see the emphasis on time there? And again, the description of Jesus as the heir of all things, because um, that phrase not only implies inheritance, but it also has a time element to it. The heir of all things receives those things at a certain time at the end, if you like, of a period of time. So there's a strong time element in these opening verses, as there is throughout this letter. But it's not just an emphasis on time. It's actually a focus on time and on God's work in time, God's work through history, during history, particularly God's work by His Word. Do you notice the emphasis on the Word of God in these verses? Long ago, at many times, in different ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken. And then again, Jesus upholding all things by his powerful word. So in these opening verses, there's an emphasis on time. There's an emphasis on the word of God. And the focus is on God's salvation history, the unfolding of God's great plan of salvation over time through history, but a salvation that is governed by and ruled by and guided by the word of God spoken in the past through the prophets. That's the Old Testament from our point of view. But in these last days spoken to us in his son. So these opening verses set the tone for salvation history, the promise fulfillment idea of this book. Sometimes in Hebrews, it's spoken about as shadows and reality. It's almost as if this world is the shadow lands and the reality is found in Christ. Salvation history, the word of God, and God's great plan of salvation. That's the first thing that we want to notice in these verses. The second thing I'd like us to notice in these verses is how Christ-centered they are. Long ago, at many different times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. In episode one, you'll remember we spoke about the fact that we are invited to consider Christ. And here in these opening verses, the writer really focuses our attention on Christ, on who Christ is and on what Christ has done. 
There are a number of things that he says about the Son here. First of all, he tells us that the Son is God's final word to us in these last days, right at the end, if you like. He has spoken to us by his Son. So God has spoken in different ways at different times, but Jesus is the final word from God for our world for this time, for our time. We live in the last days, just as these original readers were in the last days. The coming of Jesus is uh, inaugurates, if you like, the last days. And so Jesus is God's word to us, his word to you, his word to me, his word to the world in this time. Notice also that Jesus is described as the heir of all things. So all things that God has made, all things that are created, but not only the things that we see in the world around us, but the unseen things of the spiritual world, all things belong to Jesus. He is the heir of all things. And the reason he is that, thirdly, is because he is the one through whom everything was created. Do you see that there? Through whom also he created the world. John's Gospel tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And he tells us that through the Word all things were created. So Hebrews is really echoing the teaching of Genesis 1 and the New Testament, reminding us that Jesus is the Word of God, and that through His Word, His Son, God created our world, everything we see, but also the unseen things. Verse 3 tells us that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. So Jesus is, if you like, the light that flows out from the source. And the only way we see the source of the light is by looking at the light which it gives. In that sense, Jesus is the exact copy of the Father. When we look at Jesus, we see all that God is, all that God wants us to know about himself is seen in his Son. It's an extraordinary claim for Jesus, is it not? The Son, who is the exact radiance of the glory of God, the imprint of his nature. When we see Jesus, we see the perfect image of God. Not just the image of God in the sense that human beings are God's image bearers, but the true image of God, the one who is fully God, absolutely God, completely God, so that there is nothing about God that we should or need to know that we can't learn from Jesus. It is a great claim for the supremacy, the greatness, the majesty of the Son of Jesus Christ. And then we told that this Son, verse 3, upholds all things by his powerful word. So Jesus who created the world, God the Son who created the world, is the one who also upholds the world. Our world doesn't exist or continue to exist merely because of biological forces. Of course, these have their place to play. Our world is a world of nature and biology and all those things. Physics, all of those things are true and relevant. But behind all of them, behind all the science, behind nature, is not an impersonal force, but a divine person. God the Son, who created the world, upholds the world. He is the one, as Paul says, who gives us life and breath and everything else. In Him we live and move and have our being. What a great claim this is for Jesus, that He upholds the world in which you and I live every day. And small wonder then that we should keep considering Him and put our focus upon Him and continue to remember Him, because He is the one who upholds our very lives day by day. And then we move from Jesus, the Creator, the Word of God, the one who created the world, upholds the world, the one who is the heir of all things. And we read about the fact that he made purification for sins. Hebrews is going to have a lot to say about the death of Jesus as a once-for-all event that deals fully and completely with sin. 
Notice what he says. After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So this picture of sitting down, as we'll see in the letter, has to do with the finished nature of the work of Christ. When Jesus dies upon the cross, he deals with sin once and for all. He makes purification for sin. And the sign that his work is finished is that he sits down at the right hand of the majesty. As we'll see, the priests of the Old Testament were never allowed to sit down in the holy place. But Jesus sits down because the work is finished. And of course, the majesty and high tells us that Jesus, the priest who has completed this work of sacrifice, is also a king who rules at God's right hand. Later on in Hebrews, Jesus is going to be likened to Melchizedek, the great model king of Abraham's day in the Old Testament story. One final thing that we need to note before we end. Notice in verse 4 that the phrase superior to or better than is mentioned. Jesus is superior to or has a name that is superior to the name of the angels. He's better than. Throughout this letter, we are going to get the clear teaching that what God has done in Jesus, the fulfillment of salvation history in Christ, is greater than, better than, superior to anything that has gone before. What a great passage this is, dear friends, reminding us of God's great plan of salvation begun in creation and ultimately brought to its fulfillment when Jesus returns. A plan of salvation in which Jesus is the key player and in which his word is of utmost importance. I hope that's been an encouragement to you and I hope it will enable you to look at Jesus in a new way. Just one last comment. We have spoken about Jesus' word being final, or the word of God in Jesus being final, and about the work of Jesus being finished. Can you see that the word is final because the work is finished? And the work is finished means that God's word to the world is a final word. It's because God's word to the world is about Jesus and his finished work. That's the great gospel we believe and proclaim. I hope it's the gospel that you believe as well. Thanks for joining me.